This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Jared Sleek on. He's a hard money lender in Austin, and he's going to tell you all about his business and how he can help you as a real estate investor. How's it going, Jared? Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for coming. Really appreciate it. I know you're a wealth of knowledge, and I want to see you share that with some people. I will do my best. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, man. Um, how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and, and how you help real estate investors? Sure. Uh, so um, I got started in real estate back in 2012, um, back when there was, I mean, you could just throw a rock and hit a deal on the MLS. I mean, things were, things were really nice back then, and I didn't know a darn thing about real estate whatsoever. Um, but I, I got started kind of with, couple of agents who um, they, they kind of steered me towards thinking about investing. Um, so they got, they got the wheels turning. Uh, I started doing some research and uh, ended up getting into rental properties uh, just sort of as a side gig with my, my day job. I worked um, in a commercial calibration lab for a, a big corporation. Um, but you know, that wasn't really my, wasn't really my love. So, um, I wanted to work for myself, kind of the same story as a lot of people, right? You, you want to get out of your day job, work for yourself. Uh, real estate tends to be a good way to do that. So I got into rental properties and, um, a couple years into that, uh, I, I went to a local lender, uh, private lender in Baltimore where I'm originally from. And, uh, I, I went to him for a loan. Um, and we got to sit down to talk in and uh, we really kind of clicked and he was at a point in, in his business where he needed to bring somebody on and he kind of wanted to expand it. So he brought me on uh, and I left my corporate job to kind of learn that business. Um, and it was, a, it was a great opportunity for me. Um, and the timing was really good because I was looking to get out, figure out how am I going to get into real estate full time? And that um, was now about four years ago. Uh, so I've been doing uh, buy and hold investing since 2013 and hard money lending since 2016. Um, and I'm, I'm still going strong. And now I've, I've moved down here from the East Coast to beautiful Austin, Texas, along with uh, about 150 other people every day. So it's a booming city down here. It's really nice. Absolutely. And yeah, I think you bring up some really interesting points there. You know, 2012, where you could just throw a rock and hit a deal on the MLS. You really pulled it up and you found a deal. I know that's a lot harder now. And I know you as a hard money lender make acquisition easier for people. So, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about how you're seeing people find deals today. I know that's a big question I get all the time is really how do I find the deals? And sure. What are you seeing? 
well, there's, there's still deals on the MLS, um, but it's rare. It, it, they're a lot harder to find. You got to work a little bit more for them. Um, and that goes for, for everything, really, um, since especially post-COVID, inventory is very, very, very low. And we went into this year having inventory problems. Um, I mean, pretty much across the nation, inventory has been pretty low for the last couple of years. And now it's even worse. Um, and the inventory's dropped, but demand hasn't quite dropped that much. So it just superheated the market. Um, so right now deals, they're a little bit harder to find, but they're still out there. You just got to work for them. I see, um, I see wholesales as probably the, the biggest source of deals. Wholesalers, you know, they're out there doing their own marketing and they're, they're cranking it up because again, inventory is low. There's a lot of competition. So I think the best deals are coming from directly from the sellers. Um, and that's, that's typical in any market. I think you're going to get the best deal going directly to the seller. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of wholesale activity still happening. Auctions, um, you know, that, that space has changed a little bit because of the regulations uh, with COVID and everything. Um, there's a lot of online auction companies. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a good place to source deals too. Absolutely. And I, you know, you can't help but wonder, and I think a, a question on everybody's mind is, is what's next, you know, what's the next one to two years look like? And really, if you could just give your, and I know you, you can't know, nobody knows what the next year or two is going to look like, but just your opinion of what might happen or what you think could happen. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a loaded question. Um, yeah. I'm sure, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be the first to admit that I expected one thing to happen this year and the totally opposite happened. So, um, I, I really don't want to make any predictions. Um, it's just so hard to say in this environment because from my view, the economy, the stock market, real estate, uh, everything's a little bit disconnected right now. And, and, um, it's, it's been difficult to, to predict, let's say. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in short, I don't, I don't really want to make any predictions. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but um, caution being the key word. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And, you know, it seems like the people who have more knowledge think the same way. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I know that. So I'm still buying great deals and I'm making sure that they can withstand not getting rent for a few months if that's what I'm doing, or maybe I have to sell at a slightly lower price and right. I just have to look at it in, in different light right now to be a little more conservative. Right. There's going to be deals in any market cycle. So all the fundamentals are still there. So the best advice that I give to people is to make sure that the fundamentals of the deal are strong and you have multiple exit strategies um, and you'll be fine. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. I think, you know, what you do with, with debt, debt is very important when you're picking up deals. If you've got bad debt on it and you're going to have to owe this money soon and, or it just up, that's what hurt a lot of people in the last cycle is that interest rates adjusted up. And I think a lot of people aren't doing that now. 
it's really hard to tell. So yeah, I really like that you said, Hey, I don't know. So what are you going to do? I I don't know. I, uh, I don't think anybody does. A lot of people will claim to know what's going to happen. And some of those people will be right and they'll make sure that you never forget about it. (laughs) That's for sure. But um, I think, I think things are tough to predict right now. So just, just be cautious. Of course. And you got to look at people's motivation too. So every real exactly. estate agent or every lender that I talk to says, Oh, things are just going to keep going up and up and up. There's, you know, and they're, they're right. There's a lot of demand. There's no supply until that changes. It's going to be hard for things to change. But you know, if you talk to an investor, they say, Oh, I'll give it six months. Everything's going to crash and burn. So they want to go buy a bunch of property. So. Yep. No, that's a great point. Uh, and I, I've been hearing, uh, geez, since I got into this business, that the next turn, the next crash, the next correction, whatever you want to call it, is right around the corner, the next 12, 24 months, six to 18 months. And so far, I haven't seen it. And that's been going on for years. And I think it's just commonplace. So it, it doesn't really matter what everybody says is going to happen, right? what's actually happening. That's what's important. Yeah. And I, I'd like to also say that every market's different. So that's true. You know, too. I talked to an agent in New York city yesterday who was looking to invest in Austin. He said, Hey, New York is not doing good right now. Whereas Austin, everything is booming. We're down to 1.7 months of inventory and prices are just shooting up. And it couldn't be any more different. Also, if, if there is a downturn, Every market's affected differently. So Austin might not be affected the same as, let's say, for your instance, Baltimore would be. Who knows? Yeah, well, what's interesting about Baltimore, um, so Baltimore's, it's been a, a troubled city for a very long time. Um, the population's been declining since the 70s, year after year. Um, but there are still some very good investments that you can make in Baltimore. There's, there's a lot of money to be made there. I, I have done very well with rental properties there. Um, right now, the market is super hot. Um, and as, as, as much as the city has its has problems, uh, the overall economics of the, the individual markets, are, they really drive home the point that any, any market can react in a, in a way you might not expect. Absolutely. Not, not what I expected. Again, I kind of lead you back to my original point. <laughs> a couple of months ago, I, I thought that the world was ending and that certainly didn't happen. So I was, I'll be the first to admit it's completely wrong. Yeah, there was absolutely a month or two of fear there and I remember it well. Oh yeah. So Jared, could you tell us what attracted you to real estate investing? I know you talked about not wanting to work for the man or work for somebody else. Um, but what, what was so interesting about real estate investing maybe than starting a franchise or a small business? Um, I think it was, it was like the control. Uh, you have a little bit more control over uh, over your business. I mean, housing 
that's something people always need. And um, historically, it's been one of the top, the, the leading sources of wealth generation, uh, like almost forever, right? So I think that's really what, really what did it for me. Um, and I, I'd considered starting, you know, other businesses. Um, and if you're selling products, you know, that's fine. Um, a lot of money to be made depending on the products, but people don't always need those products, right? Somebody always needs a place to live. So I felt that it was, if you really understand it and you take the time to build your business the right way, uh, it can be a really strong and stable, stable business. Absolutely. And I, I came from a different industry too, and I got tired of being low on that totem pole for people's needs. You know, Mm -hmm. it was more of a want and I owned a, a fitness business and people paid you when they wanted to pay you rather than they have to pay you to have a place to live. So Makes yeah. sense. Now, which you probably wouldn't want to have been in that business right now either. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for sure. Right. Well, hey, um, everybody asks about, hey, what's your best deal? Tell me about your best deal. I like to know about your worst deal. And I think I already do know about one of yours. So could you tell the listeners about maybe your worst deal and what you would have done differently to make that happen a little differently or be less of a risk next time? Uh yeah, um, we can talk about my worst deal. Um, I still own it, and I hate it every day <laughs> of my life. <laughs> um, so this was a deal I picked up a couple of years ago. Um, bought it. I bought it as a rental, and uh, it, it was a wholesale property. Uh, I got connected with the deal through a contractor that I was working with at the time. And uh, the numbers worked until the contractor walked away with a large sum of money. And uh, I kind of got left holding the bag there. Um, And there's, there's a lot of decisions that you got to make when something like that happens. Um, one of those decisions being, okay, do you cut your losses, just get rid of this thing now, um, and move on to the next deal? Do you try to figure out a way to save it? Maybe you can, uh, you know, hold it for a while, mitigate some of those losses over the longer term. Um, that, that was what I ultimately ended up deciding to do. So I pulled together some more money. I finished out the house. And I went to rent it and uh, I was terribly wrong about (laughs) how much I'd be able to rent this thing for. Um, So not only was I into the property for maybe $20,000 more than I should have been, uh, maybe more than that, um, it was renting for about $200 less a month than I thought it would rent for. So I was just getting killed on this thing. What turned out to, uh, well, what I thought would turn out to be a really good deal ended up being not a good deal. And um, again, I, I still have it today. Um, I'm just trying to hold on to it. Just 
the, the current tenants have actually asked me about buying it um, from me, which that would be great if I can, if I can make a deal with them. I mean, I'm, I don't want to make any money on the thing. I just want to get gone uh, at some point. So um, maybe that's, maybe that's how that story will end. But right now I'm, I'm just holding on to it. It's been a, a maintenance pig for lack of a better word. Um, cause I, I mean, I really just ran out of money trying to rehab the thing. So there were things that I couldn't, I couldn't really do, um, at the time. So I've just been doing them over time and it's just drained a lot of resources. Yeah. And I know contractors and, you know, underestimating the rent or sorry, overestimating the rent in this case can really be a big deal. How would you mitigate that risk next time with having the contractor run off with a bunch of your money and kind of leave the job in a, a lurch and then also finding the right rent? Yeah. So, um, it, in regards to the contractor, I think, um, well, I had gotten the contractor through a referral who I was, uh, you know, a gentleman that I was also doing business with. Um, and then I trusted, well, at the time, neither of us knew it, but he was getting ripped off too. So, um, I, I always tell people, try to get referrals, try to go out and see the contractor's jobs and see what kind of work they're doing. Um, in this case, that was, um, that didn't work out for me, but it also didn't work out for my buddy who, uh, who recommended him to me. Um, so that was tough, but that I think was a rare situation. I should have done more, more research on him. Um, later on, uh, after I had discovered what was going on, I did, I did a couple of background checks on him. And had I done that in the first place, this never would have happened. He had a lot of stuff on there that was very troubling. Really? Yeah. How would you get the rent for the next time too? So you said you, you overestimated the rent it could get. Yeah. Um, I did. Um, that was a little bit trickier. Um, I, I think part of my overestimation was assuming that, um, I'd be able to get a voucher tenant and you hear a lot about, you know, section eight tenant, um, you know, pays a little bit more typically. Um, and I, I ended up not being able to find one for this house. Yeah. You couldn't so find the section eight tenant for the house. I couldn't. Um, and I, I I'm not that. really sure. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I, it must've been in a, a very specific area that they didn't want to be in or something like that. Um, and that's another piece of this deal actually, that is a good point. I should probably bring up invest where, you know, because this, I took this deal in a neighborhood that I'd never been in. Um, you know, I, I don't have any other investments in this area at all. And this was my first, uh, my first deal here. So, um, I didn't, I didn't know it as well as I should have going into it. I trusted people that I shouldn't have trusted. So it was, it was a perfect storm of situations that you don't want to find yourself in. But um, all of that can be mitigated by just a little bit more research on the front end. Yeah, I think you make a great point. You brought up something too that I really try to tell people 
is invest where you know. You know, you can invest anywhere in the entire country, but you're going to have a month, a lot more advantages if you're investing in a city that you understand. It doesn't have to be the city you live in. Maybe it's the city your dad lives in or your mom lives in or something where you used to live. There's just so many other places that you can find to invest that you have something in common with and that you know something about. Yeah, even neighborhood to neighborhood. You want to know the neighborhood before you invest there. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, so I think, yeah, absolutely great advice. And there's there's so much advice out there now that says, oh, long distance investing, invest anywhere you want. I understand that that can be done. I think you're going to have a better time investing in places that you also understand. So um, if I could tell anybody anything, it's, hey, invest somewhere that you know within an hour of where you live, there's deals that work. So make it happen and, and don't look all over the country to make it happen. If you know nothing about Kansas City, probably don't invest in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to invest in areas that you're not in locally um, because I, I personally feel like so much of my success has been uh, what's the word, um, reliant on relationships that I've built with people locally. And, um, even now, now that, especially now that I'm down in Austin, I still have these investments in Baltimore. Um, but I have people to help me while I'm down here, you know? Um, I think that that's another piece of it. I mean, just knowing the market is one thing, but do you have the resources available to you in that market without, needing to be there to run the business the right way. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important. I'm in a similar situation where I live in Austin, but I actually invest in Louisville, Kentucky too. Mm -hmm. um, I have three apartment buildings on one street in Louisville, Kentucky. And it happens that my dad has an apartment building on that same street that he self manages. So not only is he close by to the buildings that I own, he's driving by them two, three times a week. To go look at his building or manage his building and just makes it so much easier. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, you know, you know all about this then. Um, that's, that's a really good spot for you to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to invest somewhere where I just don't know anybody and, and don't have a strategic advantage like that. Right. Right. So at least my, me to my next question, what's one thing newer investors should know? So there's so much noise out there now. There's just, you can do apartment buildings, mobile home parks, single family. You should only do condos. You should do this or that. Invest long distance. Invest in my fund. You know, what's one thing you think a newer investor should know when they're thinking about getting into real estate investing? Uh, this is a good question. Um, I would say the number one thing that, that I tell people is don't rush. This is a long game. You're going to meet a ton of people that, you know, they, they bought 50 units the first year they were in real estate or they're doing some big syndication and raising all this capital for some big project or uh, every, everybody's got a story. Um, that they're trying to sell you. And there's so many people out there like that in this business. It's really easy to get, um, to, to just kind of feel like, oh man, you know, 
anybody can do it, but it's, it's easy to grow too fast. Um, so I, I tell people, look, don't rush. This is, this is a long game. Don't, don't worry about the guy that just bought 50 units last month. You know, if you wake up today and you're better than you were yesterday, just keep doing that. And, and that goes for life altogether, in my opinion. Um, but slow and steady wins the race in real estate. I've seen a lot of guys fail from growing too quickly. Absolutely. I think that's great advice is, yeah, like I was saying, there's so much noise and there's so many shiny objects and oh yeah, we've got Instagram and everybody on Instagram is just killing it. And you're thinking, Oh, well, you know, I hate the word only, you know, uh, a guy I met at a conference one time, I he said, well, what are you doing so far? I said, well, I only have a duplex. He said, Hey man, don't say that. Don't say only, you know, you, you've got a duplex. That's most than more people and yeah. you'll do better in the future. And, you know, it helped me to reframe my thinking about things. It's never an only. So you don't have to keep up with Bob on Instagram who just bought a 50 unit like you're talking about. Right. And, and you don't know anything about Bob's 50 unit deal. It might have been a terrible deal. I, that, the, the whole thing about, oh, yeah, I, I own 100 units or however many, it, it doesn't matter. Because yep. you don't know anything about those 100 units. Are they cash flowing? Are they underwater? Like, they could be terrible deals. So all you can really do is focus on yourself, your business, and making it better than it was yesterday. And that's, that's the best advice that I can give. Um, and if you buy a couple of good deals every year, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to have a, a nice portfolio, you know? And, and it's going to be just consistent growth. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. So, yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Be the tortoise, not the hare. Right. So what's your best mindset advice for people, whether they're getting started or they're really just trying to grow their portfolio or, or maybe they're like you and they want to quit their, their corporate job? What's your best mindset advice for them? So... I don't know if this is necessarily mindset advice, um, but the thing that changed everything for me was when I decided to put myself out there more, to get out and just start networking. Um, once, once I decided like, okay, this, I'm going to actually put some effort into meeting people and you know, right now I don't really have a whole lot to offer because I'm a new guy, but I'm going to figure out what it is I can offer and I'm going to meet some people and see what happens. I, I swear to you, within four or five months of making that conscious decision to put myself out there more, I was out of my corporate job. There you go. Yeah. So, um, that, that really did a lot for me is networking and, and building, you know, good relationships with people in, in person, which is hard to do right now because, you know, nobody wants to go have coffee or lunch or anything, but, um, you know, those times will come back. Yeah, they will. They will soon enough. And I think right now we do have a lot of zoom meetings, which you can't network as well, but you can still get on see other people and hear great stuff. 
Yeah, I just did a, um, a Zoom uh, meetup over in Northern Virginia just this week. Um, and and it, was, it was really good. It, it was nice and small too. It wasn't like 70 people. You can actually get, you know, see everybody's face on one screen and you can talk and have, you know, good conversations that way. So yeah, it's, it's still possible. Yeah, and that's a great point too. So if you want to go to a meetup in, let's say, Virginia right now, or if you're outside of Austin and you want to come to a meetup in Austin, just jump on meetup.com or Bigger Pockets under their events tab. There's meetups out there happening on Zoom and you can jump on and see what's going on in the market you want to learn about. Yeah, so that's, a, great that's a great point. To, be, to learn that's about things right now. That's a great point. Yeah. So you got to find the silver lining. If you can't, attend meetups in a certain area that you want to learn about, mm -hmm. jump on the internet. You'll find some in that area right now and you can learn about it then. Yeah, that's true. Jared, what's your favorite business or mindset book? Could be real estate too. Yeah. Um, so I read a book a couple of years ago called The Go-Giver. Have you ever heard of it? I have heard of that. I have not read it. I need to read it, but Make it the next. Have it. I've got too many books that I haven't read. Yeah, make it the next book you read. It's really, it's a really short, easy read. I think I I read it in like two days, no effort. Um, it's basically a story about uh, the lessons in giving first. Okay, making sure other people are taken care of, um, and and providing value to other people. Um, and I think that, I think that's a really good lesson for, for the new people, especially, um, is to figure out how can you provide value to other people. Um, and, and I think the more we focus on helping others, the more, the more it comes back to us, the laws of reciprocity, right? Um, you're going to get, you're going to get taken care of. Giving is contagious. Uh, it's a, it's a natural and very powerful dynamic in human psychology. So uh, anyway, this book, The Go-Giver, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Um, and, and, and to put this sort of um, idea into an example, a real-life example, if you're a new investor and you want to figure out, okay, how can I get started in real estate? You know, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't really have any money. I've never done a deal. Um, I don't know where to find somebody to help me do this. Well figure out, figure out what a deal is and then go find one, go find that deal. And if you can get a deal, you're going to find somebody that you can partner with on that deal. So like a deal finds money and it finds experience. And, um, that's a really good way to get your foot in the door. And you take that deal to somebody with experience. You say, Hey, look, I got this deal. I don't know what the heck to do with it. But let's, let's work on it and, I, you know, I'll figure out the, the <clears throat> excuse me, I'll figure out the entire process just by doing a deal with you. And then you bring somebody else a good deal like that and you're in. Great advice. So, yeah, just give first and, and if you help everybody else get everything they want, you're going to get everything you want. So, really just think about other people first. Right. So, I want to circle back to something, you know, you, you're a hard money lender. 
Yep. How can you help people get started in real estate investing or just grow their portfolio? You know, what, what kind of products do you guys offer and what do you do on a day-to-day basis to help people? Right. Um, so I've made it a point over my lending career to, as, to be as open and as much of a resource as I can for people that are new, um, people that are experienced, uh, people, people that have more experience than I do. Um, I, I'm certainly not the most experienced guy in the world. Uh, I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But uh, I think some of the advantages I have from being in the lending space is seeing so many different deals play out and underwriting all these deals. Um, I, I mean, I've probably been involved in originating $75 million worth of transactions in the last couple of years. So yeah, it's a lot of deals. So I see a lot of deals and I know what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and structuring deals, getting creative with that sort of thing. Um, I've come a long way in, in learning about those things too. So these are things that I've picked up just from the access that I've had to other deals that I, you know, then try to help pass on to other investors. Um, in terms of our products, you know, we're, we're a very large lender. We're based on the East Coast um, in, in the Mid-Atlantic region. Um, and we, we, we're doing fundings down here in Texas now. Uh, so if, um, if, you might, if you're looking at d- doing flips, new construction, um, those sorts of projects, you know, we do lending for that. Um, we do a little bit of long-term rental loans too. Um, so if you're trying to buy properties, fix them up, rent them out, do a refinance. Um, you might hear that called the Burr strategy, the buy, uh, ref- sorry, buy, rehab, uh, rent, refinance, repeat. I think I did that in the right order. Um, so you'll hear a lot about that. That's a really good strategy to build rental portfolio. Um, so we can kind of be a one-stop shop for that. You pick it up with what I call the short-term money, the, the hard money, buy it and fix it up, get it rented out. And then you refinance into a long-term product. So, you know, we have a long-term rental product for investors uh, that we're rolling out here. And uh, yeah, it can be a quick one-stop shop there. Nice. And I know you can't talk any terms because everybody's different and every project is different. If people want to ask questions or really just learn more about what you do, how can people get a hold of you? So um, I'd say the, the best way to find me is going to be on Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm on Facebook all the time. Uh, you can direct message me there. I'll see it. Um, you know, we can connect on the phone. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to share my phone number on the podcast, but if you find me on Facebook, I'm happy to give it to you. We can connect and, um, you know, I can see, see what you got going on. Right. And could you spell your name real quick for people too, just so they can find you on Facebook there? Sure. Yeah. It's Jared, J-A-R-R-E-D. And the last name is Sleeth. S is in Sam, L-E-E-T-H. I'm the only Jared Sleeth spelled that way on Facebook. So. Uh, if you see another person there, report the account because it's probably a fake. Awesome. And, and you're in Austin, <laughs> Texas, so that's easy too. If you see a Jared yeah. Sleeth in Austin, that's who you want to find. That's me. And I got a big like uh, real estate kind of cover photo, so you can't miss me. Awesome. Makes it easy. So last question here, Jared. 
What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? I know we've got great food here and I want people to be able to try it all. So what's oh, your favorite man. spot? This is an unfair question because I haven't been here long enough. Um, I've only been to a couple of places now. Um, and I will say that pizza place that we checked out a few weeks ago was delicious. Um, the F313? That's what it was. Yeah, that was really, really good. Um, so I, I, I can't say where my favorite place is yet. Uh, I'm still getting out there a little bit. You know, what I, what I would like is if anybody's listening, reach out to me and tell me where I need to go. Tell me where the good food is because I love going to new restaurants. Um, I kind of got, I'm starting to like curate a big list of places I need to go. People are sending me, oh, you got to check out this place. Uh, I just got a couple of recommendations for some, uh, some food down in, in Buda uh, just yesterday that I think I might check out this weekend. So um, if you're listening and you got a favorite spot, let me know because I want to check it out. Awesome. Yeah. And then listen to our episodes too. We have all sorts of taco recommendations and just all sorts of different great restaurant recommendations on here. Every guest will be giving one. So we're going to go ahead and say yours is BF313 for now. Let's go with it. We'll have you back on here in a year or so. (laughs) Okay. I'll have a better idea then. See what it is. There we go. Well, awesome. Thanks, Jared. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wants to get a hold of Jared, go to Facebook. It's Jared Sleeth on Facebook. He's the only one and he's in Austin. So reach out to him and he'd love to help you with hard money loans or just any questions you have about real estate. Thanks, Jared. Have a great day. Jordan, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Yep, you too.